0: Now, listening to
1: the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pat's Pulpit Podcast. We are back again to talk about the week that is to come in the NFL. It is week nine. We are in the second half of the season. Patriots have a huge matchup coming up on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. I am Alec Shane, here with Rich Hill, here to break it all down. Rich, I know we just talked, but it's always good to hear your voice.
0: Oh, man, Alec, it's been a great week, hasn't it? It's been wonderful fall Football is in the air, the first half of the season is in the books, and I'm ready just to stare down the second half of the season because this is where real football happens, right? This is this is where the Patriots start to distance themselves from everyone else in the league and just, Mwah, this is perfect.
1: It is. Coming off a pretty big Red Sox parade through the city of Boston yesterday, a whopping 631 days passed in between duck boat parades in Boston. Very glad to see that streak over. Uh, It's been a good week to be a Boston sports fan, coming off a big win in Buffalo, and a big game coming up, like I said. The last primetime game of the season, thankfully... Back to 1 p.m. and 4 25 p.m. games from here on out after the Packers game. But before we get to that, Rich, pretty interesting week in the NFL. We got some really good matchups, some divisional matchups. The
0: Battle of the Bay is happening. Where do you want to start here? Uh, I mean, I think the best place to start is within the division itself. And uh, you know, you got a divisional game going on, one p.m. New York Jets at Miami Dolphins. Patriots have their two-game lead over the Miami Dolphins right now. Jets are kind of falling apart at the end. But Dolphins are pretty tough at home. What do you think is going to happen for this game? Who do you think the Patriots are going to root for?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I'm a Patriots fan, I've got to pull for the Jets here. I think that the Dolphins have a better chance of catching them in the division, even though I don't think it's much of a chance. I think the Jets are going to be a 4-12 and team, 6-10 and team, one of those kind of bottom-dweller, middle of the round draft guys so I think the Jets I am rooting for them it's in Miami so I am not optimistic but this is probably one of those games where Brock Osweiler goes nuts and throws for like 500 yards and Sam Donald throws for like 200 yards and it's not really indicative of either team's abilities but I think they very hard-fought sloppy game and the Dolphins win
0: yeah this is the game that uh, Brock Osweiler gets another 100 million dollar contract out of uh, probably with the <laughs> Buffalo Bills <laughs> whenever that happens but yeah now I, I'm hoping that the Jets pull this one out as well I don't think they will but anything, you know, if, at the end of the day, if the Jets win, Dolphins lose, they'll both be 4-5, and five, and fingers crossed the Patriots will be able to separate again if they can defeat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. So that would be absolutely lovely to see. Uh, the other AFC East matchup is the 2-6 and six Buffalo Bills hosting the 4-3 and three Chicago Bears. Derek Anderson is in the concussion protocol, and Nathan Peterman is expected to start for Buffalo. Little Ash. Nate, uh, how do you see this game playing out?
1: I I feel so like the the human being in me which is a very small part of me granted feels very sorry for Nathan Peterman because he's just in over his head and there's so many people myself included that cannot wait to see him throw more pick sixes. It's like it's like a, a event it's like a must see TV now is how many interceptions is Peterman going to play. Khalil Mack should be back for this game. The Bills are reeling off another bad loss to the Patriots. It's going to be a very, very rough one for, for Buffalo, and the Bears win this one going away.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nathan Peterman's the living example of the uh, uh, the, the Peterman principle. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I want the, the Bears to win, send the Bear, the Bills down to 2-7, and seven, really just end their year. But then another part of me is like, do I want the Bills to win so they can build up their draft position? Because there's no way Buffalo's making the postseason – do I want them to finish the year, you know, 6-10, and 10, have a 11th overall pick and just not get anything at all? That's kind of what I'm leaning for, right? I, I mean, I kind of want the Bills to win this one just so they, they do what they do best up in Buffalo and just kind of bungle up the postseason for themselves. Another interesting game
1: coming up, Rich. One that I'm very curious about. Uh, there's obviously Steelers-Ravens. It's at Baltimore. It's going to be a bloodbath. It always is. Who knows with that game? It's always a back-and-forth contest. But Texans-Broncos is an intriguing matchup to me. I think the Broncos took the tech uh, took the Chiefs, excuse me, to the wire last week. The Texans are winners of five straight. They just acquired Demarius Thomas, a former Bronco, playing his old team for the first time. Tons of storylines in this matchup. It's at Denver. How do you see it shaking out?
0: That's going to be a tough one. I, I personally would want the Broncos to pull off this upset because I want the Texans to fall to 5-4. and four, Give the Patriots. I know New England has the head-to-head over the Texans because of the season opener, but I would love to see New England get some distance away from Houston. And I don't expect the Denver Broncos to reach the postseason. I think them trading Demarius Thomas was a sign that they don't expect to reach the postseason. They're in a rebuilding or kind of a, a reloading sort of situation out in Denver. So, uh, I, I mean... I would expect the Texans to come out and do well. Deshaun Watson had an amazing job that, uh, that flew under the radar last Thursday night against the Miami Dolphins where he threw five touchdown passes and only had four incompletions. That's absolutely unheard of. It was a magical night. I expect him to continue to do that. For whatever reason, he's not getting as much credit. Perhaps beating the Broncos will get Watson the, the credit that he deserves on, out there
1: possibly time will tell the other afternoon game for week nine another really key matchup is in the nfc the rams are going to new orleans to take on the saints looking at the Rams' schedule rich over the next half of the season it's very possible
0: the saints could be the biggest obstacle standing between them potentially running the table yeah absolutely i mean they, they don't have an easy schedule by any means they're at the saints then they host the seahawks they host the chiefs but if they get past that three game stretch they probably can run the table, right? I mean, they they finish their season three out of five on the road. They're at the Lions, at the Bears, versus the Eagles, at the Cardinals, and then host the 49ers. They should be favored in literally every single game for the rest of the year. They just acquired Dante Fowler from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have all the pieces in place, but it is also worth noticing that they've kind of just squeaked out. A few games. You know, they beat the Seahawks 33-31 in Week 5. They beat the Broncos 23-20 in Week 6. And they just barely beat the Green Bay Packers 29-27 last week. So they're all pretty close. I kind of expect the Saints to pull this one off. I expect the Saints to give the Rams their first loss of the year, and then maybe it'll be their only loss of the season. Who knows? But this Rams team is amazing. I would not be surprised if they ultimately reach the Super Bowl and end up carrying that Lombardi trophy because they have all the pieces in place just to wreck the entire league. They do.
1: They do. They did beat the Packers, like you said. There was an opportunity for some late Aaron Rodgers fourth quarter magic, but unfortunately, a fumbled kick return by former Packer Ty Montgomery squashed that dream in the bud. And the Packers are looking to get some redemption and some momentum back when they come to Gillette Stadium on Sunday to take on the Patriots. The Page is coming off a. I guess I'll call it a convincing win against the Buffalo <laughs> Bills, 25-6, to six, where they did not look good. Basically, there was one good drive where James White scored a touchdown and McCordy's pick-six were the only real highlights of the day. Pat's looking to bounce back from a lousy offensive performance. Packers looking to bounce back from a very narrow loss. This is only the second, remarkably, the second Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady matchup in either of their careers, and the last time was in Green Bay in 2014. The Patriots lost a close one. Where should we start, Rich? This is one of the the most important games of the year, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, let's start with Tom Brady against this Green Bay Packers defense because this is a very, very bad defense. All right, so here we go. Week 2, the the Packers tied the Minnesota Vikings. They allowed 29 points. They played Washington in Week 3. They allowed 31 points. They blanked the Bills in Week 4, so who really cares about that? But they allowed 31 points to the Lions in Week 5, 30 points to the 49ers in Week 6 and 29 to the Rams in Week 8. It seems pretty likely that the Patriots should be able to put up 30 points against this Packers team, which should be enough to win. And right now, the Green Bay Packers traded starting safety HaHa Clinton Dix to Washington. He was their best defender for the entire year. Muhammad Wilkerson is on the IR. This Green Bay Packers defense... They're not fantastic, right? And, and so they intentionally weakened themselves. This should be a good place for the Patriots to have a rebound. It should be, and all those things make a lot of sense, a
1: good offense against a bad defense. But might I remind you, Rich, that the Patriots' offense had a really hard time moving the ball against the Bills' defense. Granted, the Bills' defense is pretty solid, but it was field goal after field goal after field goal for most of that game, which leads me to believe that with Sony Michel still banged up James White, they're really only legit running back, unless you want to count Cordero Patterson. Gronkowski's still not back 100% from his back and ankle issues. Josh Gordon's still learning the, the the offense. Is there a reason to think that maybe the Patriots offense, which has scored 38, 38, 43, 31, whatever
0: it is, come back to that earth a little bit? I mean, I, I would say maybe, but the fact that the San Francisco 49ers, that 1-5 and were able to put up 30 points, that C.J. Bethard, was able to throw for two touchdowns. Marquise Goodwin, 126 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Matt Breda, they combined for 148 yards and a touchdown on just 26 carries. There should be openings. James White, in my mind, is going to have a huge game out there. Rob Gronkowski should be the beneficiary of Clinton Dix no longer being on the roster. That should give them some room to run. So if if the San Francisco 49ers can put up that many points on you, the Patriots, no matter how many question marks they have on their offense, they should be able to do that as well. I would expect the Patriots to add a, a running back to the roster, especially with Eric Rowe being placed on the injured reserve and the Patriots having an open roster spot. Uh, but maybe that will be filled by a different player in the coming days. Fingers crossed. We'll, we'll see how that happens. But the Patriots should have the pieces in there. Uh, Alec, who do you think has to have the, the biggest game for the Patriots? Who, who would be your offensive X-factor?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think this is a really good Chris Hogan game. If I'm Chris Hogan, I think that he's the kind of guy that he's not good for 10, 15 catches a game because that's really not how he he works in the offense. But you saw it against the Bills. You know, t- two of the biggest catches of the day we both by Chris Hogan. He kind of goes under the radar for a while, and he comes open on a slant or a quick comeback route, and he changes the field position. And I can see that happening a couple times with the Packers defense struggling, like you said. They'll probably focus in on Gronkowski. Eventually, I imagine some defensive coordinator somewhere is going to be like, you know what, we should cover this James White guy. Maybe it's going <laughs> to happen this Sunday. Who knows? If James White has trouble getting open, they, they really don't have enough players, the Packers don't, to cover every single Patriots player the way they need to, which means one guy is going to slip under the radar, and it's Chris Hogan for me. I see a couple of big slants and maybe a deep bomb to him today uh, on Sunday night.
0: I like that. I actually expect George Gordon to kind of be the X factor for the Patriots on offense. They have some pretty interesting matchups against this uh, Packers defense they have a pretty young secondary Jair Alexander their first round pick at cornerback he's coming off an incredible day uh, but you have another young guy in Kentrell Bryce at safety Josh Jackson and Kevin King at cornerback slash safety they, they have a little bit of a hybrid role out there so they have some young players out there Josh Gordon is an incredible player. Josh Jackson and Kevin King are both really good athletes, so is Alexander. It should be a really good matchup. I expect Jair Alexander to kind of be in the slot against Julian Edelman instead of the 35-year-old Tremont Williams, so we'll see how that plays out. But Alexander's able to play all over the field. I expect him, he's a little bit on the shorter end, I believe, to cover, uh, not or I should say not to be able to cover Josh Gordon, so they'd match him up against Julian Edelman. And that means that the Patriots on the outside are, will have to really step up. And so maybe it'll be Chris Hogan, as you said. In my mind, Josh Gordon is going to have to emerge. He had 100 yards uh, against the, what was it, uh, two weeks ago. And I expect that he should be able to do that again against the Green Bay Packers.
1: So, Rich, if you're Josh McDaniels and the running game is suspect, as of this podcast, it's still just James White and Ken John Barner. I believe Mike Gillisley's a free agent right now, for the record, for what it's worth. He'd be an easy guy to sit right back into the offense. But if they're going with the guys they went with against Buffalo, how much are you going to focus on the running game? Or are you going to put Cordell Patterson back there again? Or are you going to more or less abandon the run and use the passing game as the running game, the quick outs, the quick slants, expose the Packers under the middle, and then take it deep? What's your, what's your strategy for McDaniels?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, there are multiple reports out there actually from Patriots beat writers that say that Mike Gilleslie is definitely not going to come back to New England, even though he is available. It's just not something that he wants to do. Um, and so if I'm Josh McDaniels, I say, all right, I don't want to use James White on every single play. I want to keep him safe. want to keep him fresh. I want to take advantage of the potential matchups against, you know, Blake Martinez in the open field or Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, all of these bigger linebackers that, you know, James White has a very clear advantage over them. And So I want to make sure that he doesn't get ground in between the tackles. What I would say is that they need to be a little bit more creative in their disguises of using Cordaro Patterson on the field. So the jet sweeps are nice, sure, but they need to either, A, teach him how to do some pass block in the middle of the field so that will open up the play action that they just did not have against the Buffalo Bills, or they just need to, you know, give it to Ken John Barner and say, you know what, do your best Deion Lewis impression, I don't care if it's just three yards per carry, you gotta do something up the gut, or else the Packers are just going to say, I'm just going to spread it out, and they're going to remove the ability for the Patriots to throw it to the outside, because they'll be able to flood the the secondary with extra players.
1: So obviously the Patriots' offense is the better unit when it comes to defending the Packers' defense. However... It might be a different story, Rich, when we have the Packers offense against the Patriots defense. Maybe not. Maybe on paper the talent is better, the Patriots secondary is good, but Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's incredibly mobile. He has that kind of fourth-quarter magic. He's one of those guys when the ball's in his hands. You just know they're going to score. I like their receiving core. I think there's some good players, maybe some underrated players. I like Devontae Adams a lot. I think their running game is pretty solid. They have Jimmy Graham which is a underrated tight end. I know he's a little older. He's 31 now. But they have good pieces on offense, and they're a little
0: better than the Buffalo Bills.
1: So <laughs> how, how do you see the Patriots' defense attacking the, the
0: Packers' offense and keeping Aaron Rodgers contained in the pocket? Yeah, what's tough is that there are just so many options in that Packers' offense. And we can start with Rodgers himself in his, I don't even know if I just repeated the Rodgers' offense instead of the Packers' offense. Uh, but yeah, you got to keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. And what the Patriots have done the past couple of weeks, they need to continue to do it. Uh, they can't have that map or Pat Mahomes sort of performance where they allow him to leak out and have the play develop and he gets some of those backyard, junkyard throws. That'll be just to wide open receivers down the field. You have to force him to stay within the pocket. You can't allow him to escape on third down. He does that. He loves that. He's really, really good at taking advantage of those openings. Don't let him do that. Do everything you can to mush rush. I would say uh, you're probably not going to get pressure on him that much, so it might even be worth sacrificing that last second rush up the middle in order just to make sure he doesn't escape and just hope that Stefan Gilmore in your secondary is able to do a good job because there's a lot of talent that's surrounding Aaron Rodgers on that offense. They have so many players that are averaging over or that have over 200 yards on the season and they were have so much depth that they were willing to get rid of one of them, Ty Montgomery because he fumbled on a kick return. So they, I mean, they just have so much talent. They returned a lot of them from injury, uh randall cobb returned last week against the los angeles Rams, so he's back he's their slot receiver geronimo Alexand- uh sorry geronimo allison is back as well he was one of the leading receivers over the first four weeks of the season uh aaron johnson has been back for a while but he's contributing in the running game they just have a lot of players that are able to produce they're all able to win their one-on-one matchups and it's a game where from one to five of those skilled players the patriots will have to be ready to defend them
1: So if you're Bill Belichick, if you're Brian Flores and you're using the old tried and true, take away your best weapon and force you to beat them with your second, third, fourth, and fifth option, who's that best weapon? Who's that guy that Paige is trying to take away and eliminate?
0: Oh, it's absolutely Devontae Adams. He just is coming off of a huge multi-mega-million-dollar deal. He's their leading receiver. He has six touchdowns on the year. He has 690 yards from scrimmage, which is uh, clearly leading the team. Number two is Jimmy Graham with 370. So other than uh, Graham, Adams has more than double than any other player on the team with regards to both yards and touchdowns. So Stephon Gilmore is going to have his hands absolutely full. Adams has an impeccable relationship and connection with Aaron Rodgers inside the red zone, but they can strike anywhere on the field. Gilmore has been signed to be able to handle these games. He's been excellent all year. I would expect him to try to do it again this year, have Adams just stifle him as best as possible, maybe even give him some help over the top with Deron Harmon, because the other players on the team, whether it's Jimmy Graham or a running back like Aaron Jones, or, you know, Geronimo Alexander, Randall Cobb, there's going to be a rotation of wide receivers out there. Uh, Adams is the center of all of it. If you can stifle Adams, you'll have a chance to slow down this Packers offense.
1: So it's Adams number one, and then Jimmy Graham, you said, is the second biggest receiver around the Packers?
0: Yep, Jimmy Graham has 370 receiving yards, but only one touchdown in the year. All right, and
1: I am correct in my statement that Jimmy Graham is a tight end, yes?
0: Uh, Yes, I believe so, uh, although he's potentially a glorified wide receiver.
1: Right, okay, and I'm also correct in saying that tight ends have been a real problem for the Patriots this season, correct? Mm.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, Yes, absolutely, it has been a problem, although the Patriots seem to kind of rectify that a little bit by finally, finally, finally having Patrick Chung drop back into coverage against the tight ends instead of having Devin McCourty do it.
1: So is Patrick Chung your guy against Jimmy Graham? I think when the Patriots played Jimmy Graham last, he was still on the New Orleans Saints, and Kyle Arrington if I'm not mistaken, was the guy in charge of him and did a great job locking him down. Is Pat Chung up to the challenge of blocking Jimmy Graham out of the game?
0: I do think so. I I think that Patrick Chung is the Patriots' best chance at stopping these tight ends. Maybe even Devin McCourty can drop off and cover uh, Devontae Adams, and Patriots can have a different cornerback on the field, because this is probably going to be a two-safety game as opposed to a three-safety game, because the Packers love their three-receiver sets. But, yeah, I mean, the Patriots have played Jimmy Graham twice. Once with the the Seahawks in 2016. He had four catches for 48 yards. Uh, Once against with the Saints. This was the one I believe you had with Kyle Arrington in 2013. Six targets, zero catches. So, I mean, the Patriots have had success defending him. They they should know what they're doing here again. uh, I would put Patrick Chung against Jimmy Graham, and that kind of gives the Patriots a little bit of a better trickle-down effect everywhere else. Uh, potentially allowing you know, Jason McCordy to cover whether it's Jeronimo Allison and then have Jonathan Jones against Randall Cobb. J.C. Jackson, who's been kind of a surprise high contributor in the secondary and has been doing a pretty good job other than a few penalties here and there, will get that third or fourth receiver on the field. So the Patriots have the ability to go mano a mano. It's just that there's just so much depth on that Packers offense and so many different types and styles of receivers that the Patriots are going to have to test the depths of their defensive backs to try and hold them off.
1: Rich, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback who's worthy of a spy linebacker, like a Kyle Van Noy, for example, being assigned to spy him, making sure he
0: stays in the pocket, or would you not classify him in the Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson mold? Uh, I, I would say he absolutely is. He's averaging 16 yards per rush, or sorry, 16 yards per game rushing. He has almost three attempts per game, so even if it is just three extra first downs, that's enough to get him a touchdown, so you got to make sure he doesn't escape the pocket. You look at the other running backs on the the packers offense whether it's aaron jones or jamal williams they're not huge threats to catch the ball and i know that by saying that they're going to get 20 catches for a billion yards against the patriots but they haven't typically been targeted as receivers and so that means that if you're the patriots you have a linebacker you can feel a little bit more confident in dedicating a linebacker to make sure that aaron Rodgers doesn't escape and not have to worry too much about the running back leaking out as a receiver
1: That's why I'm picking Kyle Van Noy as my X Factor. I think he had a great game against the Bills, caused that strip sack. I think he's been a great lateral linebacker. He's really stepped up again. What a great move it was trading for him. Hopefully Hightower will be back. I think Hightower is going to be crucial in this game, but I think Van Noy is really the guy I'd assign to Aaron Rodgers and the running backs out of the backfield because he's probably your best bet in stopping that.
0: Oh, I like that. Kyle Van Noy's coming off an incredible game. He's been the Patriots' most consistent linebacker for the past couple of years. He's really earned his time on that field and as a team leader. So I like that a lot. My pick is going to be Stephon Gilmore. I talked about him a little bit earlier on, but if Gilmore is able to slow down Adams, the Patriots are going to be fine enough in my head. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is too talented to say that the Patriots are definitely going to win if they're able to do that, but if Stephon Gilmore is able to handle Devontae Adams, then in my head, that's a a really good sign for how the rest of the Patriots are able to produce on defense. And, uh, yeah, Gilmore has been doing very, very well, and I expect him to be up to the challenge.
1: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask at least, or at least discuss this, because the last time the Packers came to Gillette Stadium was 2010, I believe, and Dan Connolly ran a kickoff back to, like, the four-yard line, the old loaf of bread carry, it was... (laughs) It was an all-time great moment in NFL and Patriots history. If you haven't seen it or you haven't heard about it, definitely go online. Just look up Dan Connolly, kick return. It's an awesome, awesome thing. We talked on our last podcast about how the kick unit, punting and kicking coverage, has been kind of an issue for the Patriots this year. Do you see the Patriots getting off the schneid a bit or getting back into it? Because I feel like field position is going to be very important in this game.
0: Yeah, well, what's important to note is that the – Green Bay Packers' leading kick return was Ty Montgomery, who's no longer with the team. So we'll see what the Green Bay Packers are doing. Perhaps they'll just say, you know what, uh, we're not going to return any of these kicks. We don't want to risk fumbling it. So the, the real concern would be on the punt returns, and they haven't had too much success there. They have 35-year-old Tremont Williams as the punt returner, although Randall Cobb is now back, and he's their usual punt returner. So we'll see what his usage is out there. But ultimately, I mean, the real question in my mind will be, uh, can the Patriots take advantage of you know whatever opportunities they get against the Green Bay Packers kickers themselves because j k. Scott is, you know a fine punter, but Mason Crosby is as hot and cold as it gets. He's missed five field goals and two extra points this year. Can the Patriots hold the Packers offense to field goals? Because if they do, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Crosby to be able to hit all of them, and so the Patriots' Ben don't break defense is really going to have to shine through, and they'll they'll probably be able to pay some dividends if they're able to force Crosby to try and win the game. That is as good a
1: transition as any into predictions, Rich. Uh, that is a very quality way to do it. Last time we talked, even though the podcast did not get recorded due to technical difficulties, we had both had the Patriots winning. I, I had the Patriots winning forty-two to seventeen Whew. over the Bills. Uh, Samsonite, I was way off. Um, <laughs> you had the Patriots winning 33 to 20. I guess that is a little bit closer than my, my score was. We were both way over in how many points the Patriots were going to score, but that's okay. That means the hammer is
0: with you. Patriots are hosting the Packers Sunday night. Who you got? Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, so going to play it out in my head right here. Patriots have one of the best offenses in the league. Hopefully they'll get Sony Michelle back. Hopefully they'll have some sort of uh, rushing game. If they're able to do that, they should be able to put 30 points up against the Packers. They should be able to do that in my head. So 30 to 33, I'm just still playing with this in my head. Um, and then their defense has done well enough, and the Packers offense has been you know, up and down a little bit. So I'm going to have Patriots winning this one.
1: 33 to 25. 33, 25. All right. So I, when I first schedule, when the schedule first came out, I always go through and I always give a rough estimate, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, whatever. And I had this game marked as a loss, uh, one of the four losses the Patriots suffered in 2018 when the schedule first came out. I just thought just the way that there were, it was six of eight on the road. They're coming two brutal ho- uh, away games. They're back home and back on the road again before the bye week. I just had Green Bay winning this game. I think I'm still going to take the Packers in this game uh, because I feel like it's going to be a scenario where the Patriots are up late and Aaron Rodgers does not get denied the chance for another game-winning drive two weeks in a row. Um, There's just something about the game that I don't know if it's going to be a a shootout or whatever, but I just think that the Patriots looked a little too flat last week, uh, and me picking them to lose guarantees a victory. So I will gladly take one for the team here. I'm going to say Green Bay wins this one on a very late field goal, 31-29.
0: Oh, wow. That'll be a nail-biter. Hopefully, uh, yeah. hopefully I'm right, Alec, because Me I too. I, I, agree. I don't want to have the Patriots lose in prime time and have to write about that at, you know, 2 in the morning. It's getting later and later every single time I talk about it, guys. But I really hope that the Patriots come out of this one with a win, move on to 7-2, and two, keep atop the AFC East, hopefully maybe even move closer within the, the AFC itself. Patriots are two games away from the bye week that they sorely need in order to get healthy before that final stretch, which should be a little bit easier than what they've been going through in recent weeks. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week nine of the NFL season? So,
1: so glad this is the last primetime
0: game. Oh, absolutely. Me too. We'll have more Patriots Packers on patspulpit.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at patspulpit. We'll have updates for the game itself on the website. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man.